Hi there. Welcome to the While You Wait podcast, where it's all about helping women just like you learn about the bladder while you're waiting for your appointment with that specialist. Each week, I'll combine science, medicine, and common sense so you can learn, become empowered, and get started on your journey to dryness. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Boyles, a board-certified urogynecologist. Let's get started. Hi there. Today, we're going to be talking about three different treatments for overactive bladder or urgency urinary incontinence. So when we talk about overactive bladder, we talk about different lines of treatment. So first line of treatment is always behavioral interventions and working on your pelvic floor strength. Second line is medication. And then third line is intervention. And so today I'm going to be talking about three different third line interventions. And I have put together snippets from three different interviews that I did. The first one, we're going to be talking about sacral nerve stimulation, which can help with overactive bladder. And this is a permanent implant that goes along the sacral nerve. The second thing that we're going to be talking about is ecoin, and ecoin is a tibial nerve stimulator. This is also an implant, and it goes along your tibial nerve, which is in your ankle. And then the last intervention that we're going to be talking about is Botox. So the first interview is one that I did with Amy Anderson, who works for the Exonix company, and that comes from season one, episode 33. The second one is an interview that I did with a patient who actually had an equine implant, and that is season one, episode 43. And then the last one, Botox, is just me talking all about Botox. And that is from season one, episode 40. So let's go ahead and let's get started. So with overactive bladder, the bladder is sending messages to the brain that the bladder is full, even when it's not. And so there's abnormal communication between the bladder and the brain. And by stimulating the sacral nerve roots responsible for bladder and bowel control, we're able to correct the communication between the bladder and the bowel. And oftentimes, patients will be completely dry. I like to share it's not a cure. It's a therapy. And so it's about improvement. And as much as I would love to tell patients that it will fix everything and they're going to be normal, doesn't quite work that way. So, you know, when we talk about sacral nerve stimulation, I mean, we're actually putting this little wire, a little lead down in the back by your sacral nerves. And then if it works, we implant a battery. And unlike a lot of the things that we do, there's a trial period where you live with the stimulator and without a battery implanted for a week or two to see if your symptoms are better. And I think that's something that's just so unique about this therapy because you get to see how it feels and and how it works for you before you make a, a decision. And so, you know, one thing I didn't say when we were started is that we work pretty closely together because anytime I do a stimulator, you're there kind of coaching the patient, educating the patient, helping program the patient, right? Because there are a lot of different ways that we can set up 
the stimulator. And so, you know, you're a very important part of the treatment protocol. So, you know, when we do those, that trial period, we always have patients do avoiding diarrhea ahead of time where you document your symptoms in terms of frequency or leaks. And then you have to repeat that during the trial period, right? So we can compare and make sure you're at least 50% better. So from the patient's remote control, they go home from the trial with two two different programs. And so we have two programs we can utilize during the trial. And within each program, we have multiple levels of stimulation. And I like to say that with nerve stimulation, more is not better, yeah. which is very hard because we all think if we can tolerate more that our, everything will be better. But with nerves, they don't want to be overstimulated. We're looking for kind of that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that we communicate throughout the trial, because we're trying to find where they get the best efficacy from the product. And then if things aren't working, we can have them come into the office and then we can kind of reset some of the programs. It's funny because it is a little bit of a techie procedure, and I feel like the majority of people aren't really comfortable with that, right? They want to turn it off, turn it on, turn it up, turn it down, but really, you know, aren't interested in kind of the physics of all of that, right? And so we try to make it as as easy as possible. And I think that's one of the really nice things about Exonix is, you know, the remote's very easy. You've definitely made it all you know, pretty user-friendly so that that techie part is not as intimidating as, you know, previous iterations of this technology were. When you are reprogramming it, what does that look like for a patient? Because I think, you know, are are you plugging them in? Like, what is that? Do they have to get undressed, right? I mean, I think that all sounds super foreign to most people. Right. And they're so used to coming to your clinic and having to get undressed. I know. Nobody likes that, though. It's very nice. They don't have to get undressed. And whether it's the trial battery that's external or they have the permanent implant that's internally implanted, they come to the clinic and we have a programmer. It's nice and bright green axonics colors. Yeah. And I, can scan the patient's device just by sitting two feet from them. And when I say scan, it will connect with the battery and it will read that device. That device captures a great deal of information. It captures all the programs that they've used previously and the amount of time that they've spent on each program, which is helpful because sometimes a patient will come in and say, well, you know, it really worked best in October. And so that gives us a little bit more data to go back and see. So, you know, if all of that goes well, from an insurance perspective, we can implant the battery and and make it a permanent device if a patient is 50% better. And we define that based on the the voiding diaries, right? So you're leaking 50% less than you were before, or maybe you're going to the bathroom 50% less or even getting up at night 50% less, right? The definition is always different depending on the patient. I talk to my patients a lot about how just just because insurance says that we can implant it doesn't mean that we have to implant it, right? And 50% better is better enough for some people, but not everybody, right? And I've definitely had patients who've had, you know, huge numbers of leaks, you know, like 20 leaks a day. 
they're going down to 10 leaks a day. And is that good enough? And for some patients, it is because the volume of leaking is so much less that it feels so much easier. Some people will say, no, you know, this isn't worth a permanent implant for me. So, you know, we kind of gauge all of those things. Okay, so we are now going to be moving from sacral nerve stimulation, which is a stimulator in your back for overactive bladder, to tibial nerve stimulation, which is a stimulator that is placed in your ankle, also for overactive bladder. So let's move on to that now. So urgency incontinence um, impacts so many women up to the, in the United States up to 33%, depending on the age group. And there are other tibial implants that are coming to the market. But the eCoin by Valencia Technologies was the first in 2022. So it stimulates a nerve that runs along your ankle. About 75% of women are considered to be responders, which means they're 50% better at about a year. And 89% would recommend this technology to a friend. So the e-coin, it's about the size of a nickel, right? So it's this little ear that you you insert in the ankle. And where did you have it placed? Did you have it placed in a surgery center or in the office? So where it was the doctor's group that did it in my area, they did not allow them to do in the office, but they had a have an outpatient surgery center. And so I was in that outpatient surgery center. And what kind of anesthesia did you get? Just local. Yeah. So just lidocaine injected. And what was that like for you? That was fine. I needed them to give me a one more shot than I don't know if she, the doctor, if she didn't hit the correct area, but they did a another shot. But um, there was people there. I mean, I was awake, which was really nice. So I was aware of everything. It's funny to me that you think that was nice because I think some people would think it was really nice and other people would think it was terrifying. Just (laughs) your, your person. Well, it was, it was, uh, as you know, they, they do a slit, they cut a slit and and they put, I mean, I didn't watch them doing it, but I could, they had someone talking to me the whole time and, you know, I could, monitor everything for if I was in discomfort, I could tell them. So I just felt it was well controlled. Yeah. Do you consider yourself to be someone who has a really high pain threshold? No. Okay. Just check. (laughs) I hate pain. (laughs) Okay. So I think that's good for people to know, right? That you don't like pain and you felt like this was pretty easy because you basically numb it up. You wait you clean off the area and then you're right. You make an incision in the skin and then just slip it under the skin, basically. And then you have to sew it up in three different layers. And if you're moving really quickly, I mean, I would say it takes somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes, which is, you know, I mean, it it can be hard to be still for that long, especially if you're a little bit uncomfortable. I I didn't feel any uh, uncomfortableness and mine actually took a bit longer. I think it was more like 40, 45 minutes. I think and I didn't have, I, like I said, they were mo- talking to me and monitoring to me. So I didn't even feel I was there that long. Okay. So that's good. So you felt like it was an easy procedure. And then after the procedure, you know, we, we put the implant in, but then the implant isn't turned on until everything is healed. And that usually takes about a month. 
And while things are healing, you wear this compressive sock to keep it in the, the right place while it heals. How uncomfortable was that compressive sock for you? So at the beginning, it was fine. But when I went in for four weeks, because I did keep it on 24 hours, seven days a week, like they requested, I guess I had some rubbing on the top of uh, my foot that I didn't realize in one spot. Yeah. And, and so then after that, you just had to keep the sock off and it healed? Yes. That's been the thing that, you know, some of my patients have found that, you know, the procedure itself wasn't bad, but then keeping this compressive mm -hmm. sock on for a month was the thing that irritated them the most. But I would also tell you that I've only done these in the summer. So I don't know if maybe, you know, that's a summertime phenomena. And as it gets cooler, that's not such a, a big deal. How hard was it for you to wait that month for them to turn it on? Yeah, it was a little disappointing. I had, I didn't realize it was going to be a month. I thought after the two weeks when they took the stitches out that I would be able to get it turned on. But, you know, I was just so happy to have a what I consider a permanent type of solution. Yeah. That it was a minor thing. And then once they turned it on, so the device doesn't stimulate constantly. It stimulates for a period of time every three days. When it comes on, what's it feel like for you? I only felt it the first couple of times it came on. And I just like felt little something. It wasn't as, so on the nerve, the PTNS, it always depended on the person, how good they were on hitting the nerve with the acupuncture. Yeah. You know, so sometimes they could really hit that nerve and you, it'd be almost painful to get yeah. the treatment. You want to be just not quite on the nerve, right? Because when you get the nerve, really feel that. Yeah. So this was much less, it was much less than even the treatment. And then after a couple of times, I, I may, I may feel it every now and then it's different times. So I don't know if that's what I'm really feeling or not, but it's nothing painful. Yeah. So, and it sounds like most of the time you don't even realize that it's kind of stimulating that nerve that is. I would say 99.99% of the time I have, but when they turned it on, to be fair, they asked me if I could feel it and I couldn't. So they put it at a nominal yeah. intensity. Yeah. And they kind of want it to be below the threshold, right? So you're not really feeling it that much. Did you have to have your settings changed at all or your settings have been the same the whole time? Yeah, my settings are the same. And what about your symptom relief? So, you Oh my gosh. So it has made, I have traveled a, a couple of times on airplane trips, long airplane trips, like from the West Coast to the East Coast and the West Coast to Texas. And it's just been wonderful because plane travel was very difficult because of the pressure for me when you go up on the planes. And really, normally during the day's time, I never think about my bladder at all, which I was constantly thinking about it before. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move away from nerve stimulators for overactive bladder and talk a little bit about Botox which can be injected in your bladder and can help a lot with urgency and frequency and is a pretty common treatment for overactive bladder these days. 
Today, I'm going to talk to you about Botox and how Botox can improve overactive bladder symptoms or urgency urinary incontinence and frequency and urgency. I get a lot of questions about this, and a lot of women want to know the details of this procedure and what it's like. So let me walk you through that. When we use Botox for any reason, we have to directly inject it into the muscle. The idea of injecting anything into your bladder doesn't thrill most women, but this is something that I do every day in the office. Many women have had it done multiple times. They come to see me every 6 to 12 months, and they don't find it to be painful. I usually ask you to avoid bladder irritants for a few days before the procedure because I think this makes it less uncomfortable. Before you have Botox, it's really important for you to know what can go wrong, what the most common complications or side effects are. So you can definitely get a urinary tract infection from Botox, and this happens about 35% of the time. I usually treat my patients with a few days of antibiotics to minimize the chance of infection, but it can still happen, and some women will get several infections after a Botox injection. Bladder Botox can also work too well, and it can cause trouble emptying. This happens 5 to 10% of the time. Many women who have trouble emptying don't really realize it unless they come into the office and we check it for them. And we do this and we keep an eye on it. There's no associated dry mouth, dry eyes, memory issues, or constipation. And you don't have to remember to take it every day. So when I place Botox, I have to directly inject it in the bladder. This means that I do a cystoscopy where we use a small scope, kind of like a very narrow little telescope, to look into the bladder. You have to be in stirrups while we're doing this, and this frequently is the most uncomfortable part of the procedure. Before we do the procedure, we numb the bladder. And there are different protocols, but I generally place 10 different injections throughout the bladder to evenly distribute the Botox through the base of the bladder. The whole procedure, including the numbing, usually takes less than 15 minutes for you. You also may not like the idea of Botox, and that is okay too. I think it's just important for you to know about all of the treatments that are available for overactive bladder. Okay, so just a little recap. So that was about three different treatments, third-line treatments for overactive bladder or urgency urinary incontinence. So the first was sacral nerve stimulation. The second was a permanent tibial nerve stimulator. And then the last one was all about Botox. And it's just important for you to know that there are lots of treatments out there. There are a lot of different things that you can try that will make you better. So if you're feeling hopeless about your leaking, just know that there are things that you can do. And let's go ahead and get started. Thanks for listening. If you want more information about me or my online work, check out my website at www.thewomensbladderdoctor.com.